This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, more accountable government. I'm Todd McKay. This is Franco Terrazano, our federal director. Today, we're going to talk about the huge government debt bill we've got. And I know we've talked about that before, but usually we talk about it in like terms of billions and trillions of dollars. We're not going to talk about it this, that way this time. We're going to talk about how much you owe because the government doesn't have any of its own money. It has your money. So if the government owes money, guess who really owes that money? You do. Do you know how much you owe? You're gonna real soon because we're going to take you through that. Also, we're, we're going to talk about uh, some wasteful spending. We do that every week. Turns out, uh, remember when the prime minister really, really, really wanted that seat on the UN Security Council? Well, we just got some more of the bills. We're running uh, the tally and we just went over $10 million on that campaign. Kind of depressing. But Jimbo, James Wood, our investigative reporter, is going to come in and uh, tell us how we blew $10 million for a UN Security seat, uh, UN Security Council seat that we really didn't have a chance of winning and probably didn't want anyways. But okay, before we get into all of that, Franco, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But man, is it ever a scorcher right now? You know, as we're recording, it's still in June. I'm in Calgary still, as you can probably see the clutter. I'm still getting ready to move to Ottawa. But it's like close to 40 degrees right now in June in Calgary. And Todd, if you were going to ask me at the beginning of the year, do you think it's going to hit 40 in June? Or do you think you're going to see snow on the ground in June? I probably would have said snow on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's nice and hot out. Like, on one hand, I like that, but I'm a little conflicted. Uh, if you look at me, I really I, I, I can't tan. I never tan. I've got two options, uh, pasty white, or lobster red. Those are the two colors I come in, uh, neither of which is really good. So I got to stay in the shade. That's how that goes. But okay, let's get down to uh, some of the news here. So the parliamentary budget officer is figuring out what the bill might look like for the federal government buyback and ban program. So remember this one? This is where the government's banning a whole bunch of guns largely arbitrarily it's mostly based on the appearance of the guns not how they actually work law-abiding gun owners have to give the guns to the government the government's going to pay for those guns but the government had no idea how much it would actually spend so pbo took a look brace yourself pbo saying the bill could hit as much as 756 million dollars now to put that in perspective that could pay to hire more than 1,200 police officers for five years. So if you're really looking at making communities safer, two options on hand are spend $750 million to take guns away from law-abiding gun owners, licensed gun owners, or you could hire 1,200 cops for five years. This seems like a really uh, sketchy policy. It seems to be actually getting worse of all things. And it's particularly bad because when the uh, Liberal Party was running on a promise to do this, it ballparked the price of 200 million, which is already a lot. But now we're seeing the bill could be multiples of that number. Yeah, and 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 the bill is going to be bigger than even what you suggest. In all likelihood, uh, you said it's, it could be 756 million dollars, according to the PBO. But let's get something clear: that's just the money to reimburse 
gun owners. That is not the whole cost of the program. The PBO said the government just doesn't have the information for it to calculate how much the actual program is going to cost. Like how much are we going to have to pay for administration, for staffing costs and things like that. And here's the real problem is that staffing costs could make up the majority of the bill. Fortunately, the Fraser Institute has done some good analysis on this, and it suggests that staffing costs for this gun buyback program could actually cost billions and billions of dollars. So you hear that $756 million, and in all likelihood, the real tab might be well north of that. And speaking of big bills, another thing that caught our eye over the last little while here is the renovation costs at Parliament Hill Center Block, which could be up to $5 billion. Yeah, that's $5 billion with a B for renovation costs at Parliament Hill. And this obviously struck us as just a huge amount of money for renovations. So we put a little list together to see what Canadians could also spend or buy for $5 billion. And here's some of the things, right? You could provide clean drinking water on First Nations communities. Uh, That would be enough money for a year's worth of groceries for thousands of families. The money could also be spent for hockey equipment for 5 million young athletes, or (laughs) just a fraction of that $5 billion tab. The government saved just a fraction of it. I mean, it could still provide so many Canadians with much needed tax relief. Yeah, it's really striking when you look at the choices there. You know, there's a choice as to what we do with the money. We could look at stuff like, I don't know, clean drinking water or lower taxes, or we could spend $5 billion on Parliament Hill. Listen, Center Block, Parliament Hill, that's the one with the Peace Tower, needs some renos, fine. But the bureaucrats have been working on this for more than a decade, and there are over $5 billion already? That's uh, kind of concerning. Uh, so, you know, we'll, uh, we'll stay on top of that. But speaking of big costs, we got to look at some of the borrowing that's happening in this country and not just what the governments owe, because governments don't have their own money. They have some of your money. So when governments have debts, they're your debts. We need to talk about that. Before we get into all of that, though, promo time. We got to do our quick promo. So go over to taxpayer.com. It's so much fun making fun of politicians on uh, on a podcast, but you can do it with your T-shirt too. We've got funny T-shirts, hats, all kinds of stuff. Go to taxpayer.com, click on the shop, pick something up, and use the promo code PODCAST. You get 15% off. You just listen to the show, use the promo code PODCAST, drop it in there, you get 15% off at the taxpayer.com shop. So check that out. All right, so we know the debt situation for governments across Canada, not good. So the federal government debt is now over $1 trillion. Hard to believe it hit that high, but it's over a $1 trillion. Budget 2021 nearly doubled the pre-pandemic federal debt. What does this mean for you? You're the one that's going to have to pay for it. Well, Franco uh, fired up his old calculator there. He's been crunching a bunch of the numbers. And we've been figuring out exactly how much the individual Canadian owes. Franco, uh, what's the damage here? Well, the debt that uh, each Canadian is going to be owing is between $47,000 and $65,000 by the end of this year, depending on what province you live in. Yeah, between $47,000 and $65,000 per person is the provincial and federal government debt tab that each Canadian 
will owe. And, and you know why that's so important? I mean, if you're watching on video, you can see all this clutter behind me. I have boxes throughout my entire apartment getting ready to move. I can tell you what you're not going to find in any one of those boxes. You're not going to find tens of thousands of dollars just lying around and waiting to pay government debt. I don't think there's too many Canadians who have that kind of money to be sending to their politicians to pay for their credit cards. Yeah. So just to repeat that. So the average Canadian owes as your personal share of government debt between $47,000 and $65,000 each. That's just you. So if you look at your household, spouse, couple kids, there's a reasonable chance that the amount you owe on government debt is in the neighborhood of what you owe on your mortgage, for example. So at the low end is Saskatchewan. It's closer on the $47,000 side of things. Newfoundland's at the high end. It's important for us to point out every government, every provincial government calculates their debt differently. I know that's weird to say out loud, but it's really hard to do apples to apples comparisons. So the better thing to do here is instead of getting into comparisons too much, just think about this. This is what you owe. This is a ton of money and it's bad news. Yeah, it's bad news, Todd. And uh, unfortunately, there's even more bad news because we don't just have to pay government debt. We also have to pay interest charges every single year to service that government debt. And so we did the calculations, uh, both provincial and federal, to see what each Canadian actually owes in interest charges this year. And in British Columbia and in Alberta, interest charges are going to be about $1,100 per person this year. In Newfoundland, again, on the high end, the interest charges for government debt will be about 2,400 smackers per person this year. And one thing I have to make super clear, which is even more bad news, is that interest charges are annual costs to taxpayers. So every year, we have to lose out on more money to service the government debt. Yeah, and that's so frustrating. When you pay your taxes and I mean, you can try to, you know, console yourself a little, you know, maybe that pothole in front of my house is going to get fixed, or maybe this, uh, you know, goes to, to buying some supplies for my kids at, uh, at school. But so much of the money that you pay, you know, $1,000 a year or more doesn't go to any of that stuff. It doesn't even go down to go to paying down the actual debt. It just blows away in interest charges. So frustrating. It's money that doesn't help healthcare, doesn't lower taxes. It just goes straight to uh, bond fund managers on Bay Street and Wall Street, places like that. The interest charges in Newfoundland, if you add it up over five years, it's more than $12,000 per person. You think about that, five years, $12,000, that's a ton of money. In Quebec, almost $8,000. This is real money and it's costing all of us. That's money that comes out of your taxes every single year. Yeah, you know, obviously, we're facing some crazy times right now when it comes to government finances. And I think a lot of people are drawing comparisons, uh, and rightfully so, between now and, and what happened back in, in, in the 90s. And, and all of this reminds me of a famous quote from former finance minister Paul Martin, uh, when he said, quote, the debt and deficit are not inventions of ideology, they are facts of arithmetic, the quicksand of compound interest is real. Now, last year, the provinces and the Fed spent about $50 billion on interest payments. Again, that ain't money that's going to healthcare. That's money that's going to the bond fund managers on Bay Street. And if we look ahead a little bit over the next five years, the federal government alone 
interest charges are going to cost the feds or you $153 billion over those next five years. And on the show, you know, we've talked about that costly Trudeau daycare promise that he had in his last budget. Well, that daycare scheme over the next five years is going to cost $30 billion. Interest charges over the next five years are going to cost $150 billion, right? That just goes to show the magnitude of this right now. And, you know, I, I've been reading a book recent, recently by, by Mark Milkey. He, he used to be with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. He's still in the policy world. The book is Ralph versus Rachel. And it talks about Alberta's debt problem. And between 1985 and 93, interest charges were about $7 billion. But that was about two full years of what the province had spent on healthcare just a few years previous to that. Yeah, it's amazing. If you spend money on interest charges, that's money you cannot spend on other things. And that really hit home in Saskatchewan. I know we've talked about it before, but uh, when those interest charges got completely out of control here, the government had to close 52 hospitals. So the finance minister at the time was Janice McKinnon. And here's what she said about that. We left a fiscal situation in Saskatchewan until it was a crisis. So we had to make dramatic cuts to fundamental programs and raise taxes to get out of that situation. Listen, we're going to be paying these debts for a very long time. Frankly, you and me, man, we're going to be old and gray and still be working on this issue. But the faster we get on top of it, the better it can be, the less dramatic those cuts have to be. And we can hopefully prevent major tax hikes that nobody can afford. But let's put this in a wider context. Canada is not the only one dealing with debt problems. How are we ranking versus our neighbors? Well, Ottawa tells us we're doing just fine, but that's not exactly the truth, right? If if you look at our total indebtedness, if you look at our gross debt to GDP, we're sitting at about 118%. Now, what does that mean? It means that even if you take everything that we produced in our economy for an entire year and just use that to pay down the debt, we still wouldn't pay off our government credit card, right? So that just gives you the kind of the scope of things. Um, And when you compare Canada, gross debt to GDP, with 29 of our industrialized peers, we are the fifth highest among them. And it's not like these other governments across the world are, are spending as efficiently as possible either. So I think that really puts it into context. Yeah, when Ottawa is saying that uh, Canada is doing great, Ottawa is leaving out all of the provincial debt. That's crazy. That'd be like uh, your spouse bragging about how good your family finances are without looking at your credit card. Now <laughs> we're all in this together and you've got to add it all up together. But okay, we're sticking it to uh, Ottawa pretty good. And I would say Ottawa deserves it. But the provinces, uh, they're not doing great either. What's, uh, what's the situation look like there? Well, I mean, there is only one taxpayer, right? So taxpayers are going to have to pay their federal government debt, but also their provincial government debt. And so far, we've talked uh, a lot about Newfoundland and Labrador, and I think rightfully so. People who live in that province owe about $65,000 each in government debt alone. In Newfoundland, the debt to GDP ratio um, is already more than half. It's already making up half its yearly economic output, and it's going to keep rising. The the debt to GDP ratio will rise to nearly 90% by 2043 and 240% by 2068. 
And Todd, you know, you mentioned um, remembering when Saskatchewan was closing down all those hospitals back in the 90s. Well, when that was happening, Saskatchewan's debt to GDP ratio was in the high 40s. So Newfoundland and Labrador is already in more of a rocky situation. Um, But the other provinces, I mean, they're in bad shape as well. And that's important because, well, the other provinces have more debt. So that's more money that taxpayers are going to have to pay back. Ontario is more than $400 billion in debt. It's the most indebted subnational jurisdiction on planet earth and the other provinces aren't doing so hot either alberta is a hundred billion dollars in debt alberta just uh recently received a credit downgrade and so did saskatchewan okay you know what i think we've got to break down the why this matters i mean it's pretty tempting in a situation when it's this bad you can get that bill from the credit card company and you don't even want to look you just you just want to leave it alone why why does it matter why do we need to get into this Well, I'll give you three reasons. The first one is intergenerational fairness, or or we should say intergenerational unfairness, right? Much of the spending is benefiting the interest groups, the politicians today, right? But as you've already mentioned, a large portion of this bill is probably not just going to be paid by taxpayers today, but by our kids, by our grandchildren, even their uh, even their children. So even so, you have a ton of people who might be benefiting from spending today, right? For example, those businesses who are getting corporate welfare, for example, but the tab might have to be paid by our grandchildren and their children. So clearly, there is unfairness there. The next reason is pretty simple, but it's very important. And it's that there's no such thing as a free lunch when it comes to government spending. So more government spending means less resources for the private sector, for businesses and for families. And why that's so important is, um, especially in the context of economic recovery, emerging from COVID-19. Would you rather the government directing more resources? Remember, this is these are politicians who could even balance the budget of a lemonade stand Or would you rather the private sector with skin in the game, families, businesses, directing economic activity? And the third one that I'm going to mention is just the cost, the sheer cost, which we've been talking about. Government debt per person in Canada is between $47,000 and $65,000. Well, that is a real large sum of money. um, And I just don't know too many Canadian families or even struggling small business owners who have that type of money lying around to not just be not going to their grocery bills or things like that, but to be going to pay for politicians' credit cards. And listen, hey, I'm going to add one more reason. When you've got a big problem, the best time to get on top of it is right away. Listen, in my younger years, I'm not proud of this, but there were times where uh, I just kind of ignored the credit card and uh, hoped the problem would go away. I think it's unsurprising. Uh, That did not work. If you ignore it, it just gets worse. You don't just have to pay for whatever it is you bought. You also have to pay for the interest. It's exactly the same with governments. If we get on top of it quick, we can do this. We can manage it. I don't want to be all doom and gloom. If we get on it quick, we can manage it. If we wait longer, it just gets harder. So we've all got a part to play in this. First of all, we've got a link to Franco's report. He's a nerd, but he didn't put any algebra in there. It's pretty simple. Everybody can understand it. It gives people an idea of exactly how much they owe for government debt. So take a look at it. Make sure you know, but probably even more importantly, send it to your neighbor, send it to a couple of your friends, your crazy uncle, make sure they all see it because we've all got to work on this together. It's our money. This is our debt. So let's get on top of it. 
Number two, we've got a petition. Listen, if we all put our names to this, if we all work together, if we all coordinate it when it's time to send uh, the prime minister's office an email or phone the finance minister, we can make a difference on this. This is why the Canadian Taxpayers Federation exists, because we've had these problems before. And we want to make sure we get on top of them earlier. So all of this stuff's in the show notes. Check out those links. We've got James Wood here, Jimbo, to talk about all of the bills, not some of the bills, all of the bills for the failed uh, UN Security Council bid, that big campaign Prime Minister really wanted that UN Security Council seat. What's the damage now there, Jimbo? Yeah, all, all the bills. I guess the key word here is all the bills that we have so far. And the number <laughs> keeps And you know what, that's up. an important point. I'm going to just jump in here. Yeah. Because a lot of times we see these stories flare up in the media. There's like a couple of pokes at it, and then it disappears before the whole story's out. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we've got you digging all the way through it. So, yeah. like, okay, where so where are we at now? That's maybe the better question. Okay, so it, it's uh, it's over 10 million now, which is you know just great. And and to your point, but like previous to your point, uh, the press will mess with this and then move on. You can actually if you look it up. Uh, beyond what we've put out ourselves so far, you got a story, I think, from the CBC where they put the number at maybe 2.5 million and they have just left it there. So the exact same thing happens all the time. But yeah, like I said, it's over 10 million. And now a couple weeks ago, we knew it was 8.6 million. Now more bills have come in. Started off some of the first numbers that came out, two and a half million. We've got it up to, you know, eight and a half million, but now you got it at 10 million. So where how do we get there what uh what keeps knocking this bill up so like with with this campaign i had made a bunch of information uh access information requests to get a handle on the spending around the campaign that included travel and stuff and salaries all that kind of stuff this particular increase has come back because i got the flight records and the vendor bills for uh mr trudeau's trips in early 2020 to ethiopia senegal and germany when he was kind of making the rounds, trying to lobby for Canada to get a seat at the, a temporary seat at the UN Security Council. And yeah, so yeah. that sounds like pretty expensive travel though. Like those, that's not just, you know, <laughs> making a quick trip uh, down to like Minneapolis for a football game or something. No, that's that's going to no. be a bit of a pricey thing. Yeah, well, it's, it is expensive. I mean, like first first off, the flight bill, it's um, the, the cost of operations for flying the Polaris jet, the part of the, one of the government jets that uh, the delegation took from Canada to Africa and to Europe. And uh, that rang in when you take the flight hours and the cost to run, to run the plane in the first place, you multiply them together, you get uh, just over $834,000. So little increase there. And then you have the bills for all the vendor costs that sprung up during that trip, um, which was $872,000 worth of vendor costs. Now, that's various travel bills. It includes stuff like uh, purchasing hotel services and chauffeurs and catering, all, all manner of things. Yeah, and the frustrating thing is here, so they spend a ton of money, but we got nothing, nothing. Like, we didn't even get a participation ribbon here. We got completely skunked. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like, the, all, this, these, all this travel was in support of the security seat campaign. Now we get up to a total, like, like the entire total we have so far, 10,371,000. 
And that's the same campaign where we came in third uh, or dead last behind uh, Norway and Ireland with 108 votes uh, in total. Now, when you put that per vote, uh, it's 96, just over $96,000 per vote. And I'm sure as the bills come in more, it'll get to over $100,000 per vote, where, like you said, we got zip. We got nothing. Like they may as well took this money, put it in the big pile, lit it on fire and said, good job, guys. We've done great here and, and walked away because that's what's basically happened. Yeah. And here's the thing. So we've got a ton of the bills, the bills, the media stopped looking at. We've got a bunch of uh, a bunch more of them. Uh, but your spidey senses are tingling. I feel like you don't feel like you're done. Uh, no, no, because like there's still requests pending um and like for example the stuff i'm talking about just now that isn't all of it like we already know that there are bills there are bills for over twenty four thousand dollars worth of uh canada themed treats at the canadian mission office in new york uh there is close to one hundred forty thousand dollars for prime minister justin trudeau to not go to barbados uh again linked to that same travel other costs they've included over thirty one thousand dollars for diplomats to fly to the u.n headquarters uh there is twenty thousand dollars for contractors and consultants all this to say that the total bill isn't known and the feds have not released a bill like they're, I don't think I'll expect to ever see this, but there's not one big bill saying, here's the money. Here's all the money. Here's what we spent it on. Off you go. It's just kind of trickling in as time passes. So I, I would hope that the amount does not grow a horrible amount, uh, but I'm being cynical and I expect it will. <laughs> So that's where we're at. Listen, is for sure going to get bigger. So first of all, Jimbo James Wood, our uh, investigative reporter, thanks for staying on this. It's funny. <laughs> you think about it. When people Google this, they're going to, uh, if they see that original story, they're going to think this was only two and a half million bucks. Only. Oh. Seems weird to say only with two mm-hmm. and a half million bucks. Yeah. This is why uh, you continue to dig this stuff up. Uh, and it's really important work. So. Thank you, uh, Jimbo, for digging this up. And uh, listen, I don't even think it's cynical. I think it's just realistic. Uh, There's more bills (laughs) coming. Let's just be honest about that. That's going to happen. So, all right. Thanks, man. All right. That's it for the show this week. So big thank you to Jimbo James Wood for continuing to dig up documents on government waste, but also for editing the podcast. Make sure, uh, you know, it's funny how many tries it takes me to do just about any of this, including this last bit at the end. So uh, thanks to Jimbo for somehow cobbling that together. And thank you to all of you for listening. You know, share the show. Uh, Let some other folks know about it and let's get uh, a few more listeners. And lastly, don't forget, stop by taxpayer.com, click on the uh, shop link then use the podcast promo code to get 15% off on uh, shirts that make fun of politicians. It's a smoking deal. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. 
and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.